0: Wherever you get your podcasts. Chakten an indo askeilige. Time iman iruk ti yen of chakt er a harp. Aga soligam amar kan sha gar fejer e har enuik len of winter fein. Skil turmi. Tha do chreacha nach vethach ara Iorgunamhian an cheist sin eacal. We in talam <laughs> ag in am guriv ahrachar in rachdom. Iad tuig sheath talam guriv an ahrachar sin ilis dohalag is cimine fnaht ar ducus
1: <laughs> an <laughs> eacr. <laughs> Naoi vin aon vin marav.
0: Shachtan, find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. For your average person
1: who wants a great watch to monitor a couple of runs twice a week and maybe a gym session, and wants a watch to help them do things, as you said, like payments and show your boarding pass, you're probably better off spending your money on a generalist rather than a specialist watch. However, if those features don't matter enough to you and you're more into your running or your cycling, then yeah, the the more specialist stuff like Garmin and Polar are kind of the ones you want to start thinking about getting you don't need to spend 700 800 pounds for a great piece of kit. I think if I were spending my own money, I'd choose something like the Garmin Forerunner 265 or even something cheaper, something like a Polar Pacer Pro or a Coros Pace 3.
0: Hello and you're welcome to the Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Wackler. Now, What fitness smartwatch or wearable should you get? Are general smartwatches from Apple and Samsung now good enough? Or are you better off getting a specialist one from the likes of Garmin or Fitbit or others? And might one of the latest smart rings or other fitness trackers be a decent alternative? Well, Matt Evans is the fitness and wearables editor at TechRadar, which is an excellent website worth checking out on All Stuff Tech. And he's here with me now. Uh, Matt, to start with, a lot of people would have an Apple Watch, for example, and others might be considering getting one. How does that rate as a fitness device compared to the, more, the, the purer brands?
1: Adrian, it actually compares really
0: well. One of the great advantages
1: of Apple Watches is that it's, a lot of people have iPhones, and it's the thing that works the best with your iPhone. Mm. So it's on your wrist kind of all the time. So it's not only monitoring your exercise, but it's also monitoring your recovery. It's also monitoring how many steps you take during the day. So as a general fitness device, it's really, really good.
0: Sometimes I hear uh, people who are uh, runners or fitness specialists like yourself. They do things like they compare, you know, how the wearable picks up a signal, stuff like that. I mean... Is that an issue with an Apple Watch? We can take a look at GPS.
1: Um, GPS is the kind of is the way the Apple Watch is going to pick up your location and where you are, and that's then going to feed into the algorithm based on how fast you might run or cycle, or swim. Hmm. And it's really, really good at that. the Apple Watch Ultra, which is the premium, uh, super the the watch which you might want to get if you're an athlete and you want an Apple Watch. It's or, the most expensive. Or you're rich. It's Yes, uh, definitely. If you're rich as well, if you want, if you're somebody who wants to look like you do a lot of exercise as well, there's Mm. always that. Um, But yeah, it's it's got really good GPS and it's highly rated by all accounts. It's Mm. a very good fitness watch, and the GPS accuracy is notoriously very good, especially in urban areas.
0: Can I ask, does it have any downsides compared to the purer fitness watch brands? But let's say I have an iPhone and I'm wondering, look. Maybe an Apple watch will be okay. does it depend on how ambitious an athlete I am?
1: Sure um the main downside of apple watches um I think one the, they are kind of jack of all trades and master of none, but if you want really specifics, if you're an athlete and you want to dial down into really specific metrics, you might need um, you might need to get a specialist third party app for your apple watch mm. or you might need to kind of dive into the weeds a bit there, whereas some specialist tools like you mentioned Garmin, there's also things like Polar and Coros and a whole bunch of other smartwatches. They're kind of tailor-made, more stripped-back training tools for more athletics pursuits. The Apple Watch is a lifestyle watch that is also very good at fitness. Uh, Getting a special, the others are kind of specialist training tools. Yeah. Um, the, The other one I would say, the other big downside for an Apple Watch is on battery life. Um, battery Apple Watches only tend to last about 18 hours. And even the premium Apple Watch Ultra 2, the most advanced one, you can only get to about 36 to 40.
0: Mm, okay. So, and I suppose conversely then the trade-off is if you do choose one of those more specialist training watches, there are some features that you will miss out on that you would have got from the likes of an Apple Watch, um, you, you know, control over certain things, being able to pay for things in, in some cases being able to you know swan through a um, you know a boarding pass scanner in an airport stuff like that yeah that's it um while quite a lot of the
1: more specialist training watches have a lot of these functions now um, I mean you mentioned garmin um, garmin have had garmin pay for quite a while mm. and it's that nFC payment technology which does more or less the same thing as an apple watch um, stuff like boarding passes you'll miss out on all the kind of lifestyle aspects that mm that make Apple Watches so attractive.
0: When I say Apple Watch, I, I might also say Samsung, for example. So the, the same question might apply if if I have a, a Galaxy device, a phone, and I'm thinking about a smartwatch, a generalist one to complement that. I'm not going to get an Apple Watch. I might get a Samsung a Galaxy watch. Um would it be fair to say that it does a competent job at the basic uh, fitness stuff, or or even maybe a slightly better than competent job at the basic fitness stuff?
1: I would say so for the for your average person who wants a great watch to monitor a couple of a couple of runs twice a week mm. and maybe a gym session, um, and wants a watch to help them become, uh, to help them do things, as you said, like payments yeah. and show your boarding pass and get your notifications and your WhatsApp, um, you're probably better off spending your money on a generalist rather than a specialist mm. watch. However, if those features don't matter enough to you and you rather get the battery life and you're more into your running or your cycling or whatever it ends up being, um, then yeah, the the more specialist stuff like Garmin and Polar are kind of the ones you want to start thinking about getting.
0: We've used the word Garmin now a few times. And so let's talk a little bit more about what, you know, proper athletes, serious athletes, serious runners tend to favour. I've always had the impression that Garmin was kind of at the top of that uh, pile. Am am I right?
1: I would say that's fair. Garmin have a really good reputation as a maker of really good watches for endurance sports. Um, And I think that's well deserved. It's not, Necessarily the be all and end all. You, you, there are quite a lot of athletes I've interviewed which don't use Garmin. Um, there's been a lot of them I've interviewed. I'm expecting them to say they want to use a Garmin. So that kind of gives an indication that it really is, whether it's at the top of the heat performance wise is up for debate, but it's certainly one of the most popular. Mm. Um, I was in, I interviewed a triathlete very recently and she uses a Wahoo watch that's quite a few years old. Wahoo. Um, and yeah.
0: W A H O um, O. So,
1: yeah w a h o o oh. they make uh, and the reason she uses that is they make um turbo trainers for cycling um so when you clip your you know when you clip your bike so you train indoors mm. and they make and you have the same thing your power meters that you clip onto your bike and it tells you how much power you're generating where you turn the pedals and all this information feeds back to the watch so you've got mm. like a closed loop ecosystem and as a triathlete that's really useful to her mm. so it really kind of depends if you're looking at an elite level. It depends on the sport you're going to do, mm-hmm. um, what you want out of a watch, and how much money you've got to spend.
0: So, like if you're running, for example, um, Garmin make a, a- few different models. So the forerunners are fairly popular. They tend to be fairly reasonably priced, like from about 150, 200 euro, 300-ish euro. Um, you've got uh, the instinct models. And then you go up to the Phoenix models, which are a lot hardier. Um, they're kind of crush-proof, bullet-proof. You, you, know, you can dive with them. Um, wh- what is sufficient here for somebody who, let's say if you're training for a marathon, and so you're not a serious athlete, but you're serious enough to want to take take it seriously. What is adequate for you?
1: I'm I'm glad you asked that because while I certainly wouldn't consider myself a serious a serious athlete, and I am training for a marathon, uh-huh. so that's so I can certainly answer with uh, <laughs> uh, a degree of personal mm-hmm. experience here. Um, I am using a Garmin at the moment. Mm-hmm. I it is, I'm currently using a Garmin Epics Pro, which I've Ooh. borrowed from the work. The work
0: cupboards, top of the range,
1: um, and it's too much watch for me. Right. I don't use half the features on it. Mm. It's massive. It's
0: giant. It's great. It's really, really good. It's the. I think it's the athletic equivalent of one of those giant Conor McGregor, uh, uh, you know, obscenities that he sometimes turns yeah. up with. Turn, you know, at, at, at the edge of fights. Yeah, this is a big watch.
1: Yeah, it's like bringing a Land Rover Defender when all you want to do is cross over the nearest field it's you don't need it it certainly looks good and it performs very well mm. but you don't need to spend 700 800 pounds for a great piece of kit i could mm. certainly get on with i think if i were spending my own money mm. i'd choose something like the garmin forerunner 265 which is uh a little bit cheaper i think it came out last year at around i don't know what it is in ireland but it was around 449 pounds in the uk okay um or even or even something cheaper something like a Polar Pacer Pro or a Coros Pace Three, oh, yeah. and they're they're a little bit more plasticky um, to the feel, so it doesn't feel as premium and it feels quite light on your wrists. And sometimes you might feel like you're strapping on like a like a little Buzz Lightyear children's toy or something. Mm. But it gives you all the information you need, a really comprehensive companion apps, and they're and they're just great when you start getting into the higher tier price points, you start paying for things like premium materials. Mm. So if you're running around on trails or climbing on rocks and things like that, you can scratch this, you can throw it around no problem. Um, but if you're just kind of your average person who's quite fit and interested in running a marathon, one of these cheaper watches around the Again, I don't know what it would be in Ireland. Probably between, you know, 200 and 400 euros, you could get a great running watch.
0: I'm glad you mentioned Coros and Polar because I've tried a couple of those watches before. And generally speaking, I've been like very impressed um, with with what they offer. They don't offer quite as much in terms of all of the features uh, that their direct competitor, which is really Garmin, I think, offers. But the form factors tends to be quite nice. The, the higher end uh, ones really nice with the way they use crowns, the button arrays, all that kind of stuff. Um, but they're not really as widely available as you would, you know, a Fitbit or, or a Garmin. You don't, you don't find them as easily.
1: No, you don't. You have to, uh, because they're quite specialist, you have to kind of know what you're looking for. And you have to uh, go sort of go and do your research and go online and really kind of dig them out.
0: What about brands like Fitbit? Uh, a lot of people have Fitbits. It, it it has always kind of been the entry fitness uh, device certain, for for a huge number of people. I think it's still it varies between Apple and Fitbit as to who sells the most. I think Apple sell, maybe sells the most, but Fitbit seems to sell more than any of the other brands. Is that really just for you know casual use, getting involved? Uh, you know, out a a non-committed level or, or is there something more to be said for Fitbits? Um,
1: I'm, I wouldn't say it's just for casual use. Apple definitely sell more. I think last time I looked, um, I looked it up and I think Apple shifted something like 53 million watches in, uh, one of the quarters of last quarter of 2022. Um, the, uh, sorry. And in 2022 itself.
0: I mean, we, we know that Apple sells more watches than anyone else. Um, of any brand of any type of any type is digital smart watches or analog watches apple is the biggest watch seller straight in the world but um the fitbit is that just for beginners or could somebody with greater ambition would it be appropriate for them
1: i would say it would be appropriate up to a point um when people are first starting out um and i tend to recommend them a fitness tracker rather than a full smart watch
0: so you're um, talking about the charge like, six, one of those kind of devices.
1: Yeah, the charge six or the inspire three, I would say, which are okay. the two kind of or the Lux, which are the three um modern era Fitbits, which mm. are in the bat in the classic band form factor. When you see somebody wearing a fitness band, you think, oh, that's a Fitbit, regardless of what brand it is. It's like um, I guess another I I guess what's your you know ubiquitous. Uh, like like seeing somebody use a vacuum and say, "Oh, that's a hoover,
0: and this is hundred quid territory. This is quite affordable territory we're in here
1: sometimes less um
0: the uh
1: in, if you especially if you're shopping around sales times, you can get an inspire three in the u k uh I, again, I don't know what it is in euros, but in the u k you can quite happily get one for you know around seventy quid um so they really do become quite affordable um the biggest advantage to them is that they're simple is that they're really, really simple. And if you're first getting into it, you can, you know, you've got something, okay, you open your phone and it's got your heart rate, your sleep, your steps, and the number of calories you've burned. We don't have to worry about GPS or uh, ground contact time when you run or any of these other really nitty gritty um, form factors. They're really, really good for first timers. And again, as, you, as you've kind of implied, um, they've got a reputation as to to being a great entry-level
0: product. And it's fair to say also that Fitbit does make larger form factors that look a little bit more like Apple Watches, the Versa range, the Versa 3, Versa 4, uh, for example. Again, again, quite af- affordable in kind of the €200-ish range. They're,
1: they're not as good as some of the other watches, I mm. must admit, um, especially the latest ones. What Since Google has bought Fitbit, I've written quite a lot about this, but since Google has bought Fitbit, there has been... Amongst heavy Fitbit users, a bit of an outcry over a slow axing of features to do with the community aspect okay. um, of Fitbit wearers. So people who used to join online communities to you know, challenge each other to compare their step counts and all that kind of thing. Some of those features have been axed.
0: So are, what are they doing? Are they just trying to shoehorn them all into a Google Pixel Watch uh, buyers? Is Is that what's going on here? I mean...
1: I couldn't say with any certainty, but it's the, it does seem to be a case where the the products that are still very good and are kind of getting prioritised um, are the slimmer band-based devices, mm. the Fitbit Inspire Three, the Lux, the Charge Six, and the Google Pixel Watch Two, um, which is your all singing, all dancing. Google equivalent of your Apple Watch.
0: Okay. So if you're going to if you're going to buy one of these, you 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 know, it's one of those models that you might think of the Charge 6 or the uh the, the, you know, the Pixel 2. Um Pick, Fitbit is a good example of a service that also offers a premium subscription. I think it's a 10 a month or eight quid a month something like that. Are these generally worth signing up to? It depends more or less on what your
1: goals are and what your experience level is. Um, I would say if you're somebody who is already looking for a challenge, if you're somebody who has been into fitness for a while, um, and you're in, and you're already looking at, um, I mean, we use the training for a marathon example, but it doesn't have to be that extreme. If you're, you're already into your fitness, you know what you like doing, you're in a routine. I wouldn't say paying for a service like fitbit premium is entirely
0: necessary i think you get like six months free or something when you buy a fitbit and i remember looking at it and i found some of the sleep metrics to be sort of useful um but a lot of the other stuff like fitness how-tos and videos and all that sort of stuff i kind of felt you could get similar on youtube yeah
1: absolutely i mean the only thing that Services like Fitbit, and I know Apple do their own with Apple Fitness Plus. Um, They have is that all these how-to's and fitness and recipe content comes from bona fide certified trainers, um and rather than on YouTube, it might be just somebody who likes to do crunches and looks really good, Mm, and they might you know you don't know that you don't know that what they're teaching you is necessarily the safest or the most effective thing. Yeah. So there's been some kind of quality assurance process.
0: Yeah. A quick word on sensors. any smartwatch you buy now, you turn it over and it's got all these little sensors and it, you're trying to figure out what does what I'm wondering, have we maxed out on sensors? Um
1: Yeah, I would say so. I think in terms of what you want to look for, um, there are several, there are usually three or four lights when you turn over your watch and a lot that will be, you know, they will look for things like heart rate, blood oxygen or SpO2, um, and they'll use LEDs to shine through your skin and monitor, how, and monitor the blood flow through your skin. It's how uh, why they're more difficult for people with wrist tattoos to get the most out of these devices, because the, device, the light doesn't shine through as well.
0: Wow. Um, First of all, what is a blood oxygen sensor?
1: A blood oxygen sensor is a collection of these LED lights that uh, when you get the information back, it tells you um, how much oxygen is in your bloodstream, so how well you, you your heart can pump oxygen mm. through your through the rest of your body.
0: I think there's a range, isn't there? It's, it's something like ninety three yes. percent to ninety six or something. It's something like that. It's in the nineties.
1: Yeah. So it informs a lot of different metrics, like um, we mentioned, um, blood oxygen itself (SpO 2 but it also works to uh, inform uh, recovery um, and. Oh, okay. uh, your VO two max, we meant, uh, which is a uh, numerical representation of uh, your maximum effort. So, if your VO two max is like, uh, let's say fifty nine, uh, that's a numerical representation of like the most you, the most, the hardest you're working. Right. And the lower you can get that number, the you know the the fitter you are in a general sense.
0: I sometimes wonder how accurate the sensors are, though, because like I have a. A blood oxygen sensor on my uh, Apple Watch Ultra Two, and you know every week or maybe every two weeks, I'll give it a give it a go, and I'll I'll look at what the percentage is. And sometimes it'll return something like ninety three percent, which might be a percent or two below what it says the the normal result is, and it freaks me out. So
1: there is this risk. Um, every, we have to take all these metrics with a pinch of salt because, mm-hmm. as you said, they're not. Um, certified medically Um, there some of them are some of some of the features on uh apple watches for example uh have gone through um medical certification in some in some areas like um the american uh fda the food and drug administration some of their features um have gone through those qualifications but um there is absolutely an idea of too much information. The average person is very unlikely to need to know what their blood oxygen level is. I'm I exercise quite a lot regularly, recreationally, and I don't pay any attention to sort of my blood oxygen on a day-to-day basis. Rarely, if ever, do I actually make a point of looking at it. Um, I remember Fitbit releasing it around the, the time the first Fitbit Sense came out. Um, they were prioritizing, they were championing their electrocardiogram. Uh, scanning feature which is normally a feature you can only get in hospitals and so they can they were saying i can take an ecg on the train or on the bus or at home and i was just thinking oh, it's never occurred to me to want to take an ecg on the train
0: yeah i think that i think that ecg feature in particular might have been part of a, a marketing push to try and uh sell smart watches to to older people i think in particular but finally um talk to me a little bit about smart rings Because these uh, fitness trackers—they're becoming fitness trackers as well, and they're starting to enter the conversation a little bit um, as well, aren't they? Sure. Um, So, for the smart rings have been around for quite
1: a while, but um, they've been in their own very small little niche. And the biggest one that uh, has been around until very recently that um, you might have heard of was called the Aura Ring, Mm. and it is the size of. It comes in ten different sizes, depending on. Uh, depending on you know how big your fingers are, um, and uh, you go through a uh, you have to sign up online. They would send you a sizing chart. You'd put on the plastic ring that fits you best. Send them that information, and they'd send you a smart ring of the same size. Wow! And smart rings, what they kind of do is they take a lot of the sensors that are in um, your average smart watch, things like the the blood oxygen, as we've mentioned, um, some of the heart rate stuff. Um, and they put it into a much smaller form factor. So through this information that they collect, um, they'll put it through the same kind of algorithms, the information from your smartwatch goes through, and then they'll estimate calorie count, they'll estimate uh, how many, they'll liaise with your phone, and they'll tell you uh, how many steps you've taken that day. Um, And they're less good at recording workouts because they're too small to have things like GPS. Um, But the advantage is because they're, they tend to last for six or seven days because other than collect this information, they don't do a lot. Um, they can, And they're very slender in terms of between smartwatches. Uh, they're very good at tracking sleep and recovery because you're able to wear them pretty much all the time. Since Samsung has come out and said, we're making a Samsung Galaxy ring, the form factors exploded in popularity. So we're going to be seeing a lot more of these very
0: soon. One ring maybe to rule them all. Any recommendations?
1: Um, well, it's the Aura ring, is the, which is the one I've tried, is very good but it, uh, you have to sign up to one of these subscription services in order to make the most out of it. I'm really interested to see Samsung's offering. Um, and there's another company uh, called Eevee, which is making a uh, smart ring aimed more towards women uh, with some really interesting uh, innovations in the form of cycle tracking. And it's got a break in the ring to account for, to, for the fact that um, women's uh, hands and fingers tend to uh, decrease and increase in size more. Mm. Um, So it's a little bit more flexible. Um, There's some really interesting strides there.
0: Matt Evans, fitness and wearables editor at Tech Radar. Thank you very much for joining us on The Big Tech Show today. And thank you also to JJ Clark, who produced, uh, to Rory Bones, who was on sound. And I'm Adrian Weckler. You've been listening to The Big Tech Show. We'll talk to you again soon.